It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Let's talk to our guy, Elliot Shore Parks, who, of course, today is uh, brought to us uh, by Colonial Hyundai, the fast, easy, better way to buy a Hyundai. Shop 24-7 at ColonialHyundai.com. How you doing, Elliot? What up? How you guys doing? Elliot, Conklin ever make a a song about you? I mean, Richie's getting a lot of praise here, man. No, I've never gotten a song uh, by Conklin. But I also have to say, Richie, you act like the Humpty Dumpty song or some ancient scripture that has to be broken down. It's a nursery <laughs> rhyme. Like, we, he's an egg. We've seen it. He's an egg. I don't know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not convinced. I don't think you need to be convinced. We've seen it. Everyone knows he's egg. I need egg literary evidence. I, I need textual evidence of eggdom. All right, Elliot. Let's get, Elliot, Eagles go to camp in a week. Now, we're going to get to the Sixers with you. But I want to start with our poll yeah. question. Who's the best running back of those three? Rashad Penny, Miles Sanders, or DeAndre Swift? It's Miles Sanders of the three. Now, I think, look, the the interesting part of the question is they all have unique things about them. Rashad Penny has shown when he's healthy, he can be really good. But that's a very small sample size, in my opinion. And he has had trouble staying healthy. Swift, I think, is more comparable to Miles just because he can be a threat out the backfield, which Miles Sanders is not. We've seen that. But despite the fact he played poorly in the Super Bowl – Miles Sanders was one of the best running backs in the NFL last year, and we saw that by the fact that I believe now he's the only, or he was the highest paid running back this offseason in terms of getting a contract, right? Uh, Richard Penny got $500,000. Miles Sanders, I believe, got $14 million guaranteed. DeAndre Swift was traded for a third-round pick. Like, the league has told you who has the most value of these three. And while Miles is not a perfect running back, he's, Pretty dependable, and he played really well last year. Elliot, so the Eagles show he up at camp. He did really well Yeah, he did, year. until the end. Until the end, he played well. Elliot, one last thing on the backs. Mm-hmm. We, we've got more this year that, that it feels like are highly functional. How many are they going to keep? Because you've got six right now. Yeah. Uh, they seem to like a lot of them, too. Yeah, so I think they're going to keep four. I would be very, very surprised if they keep five. If for some reason on cutdown day they keep five and then there's some other roster manipulation, like maybe there's a small chance of that. But I think it's going to be four. And I think the question really is, do they keep Trey Sermon? Trey Sermon was on the roster all last year. Very rarely do the Eagles hold a player on their roster Mm. all year and then just cut him, right? If you look at guys they've done that with, and it's a bit of an extreme example, but Jordan Mailata, they did that with a few years. Like, if you're a roster spot's valuable. So, if they've held one for Trey Sermon, he is going to get every chance to make this roster this year. And I wow. really believe the guy that could potentially be the surprise odd man out is Penny. Like, if he has trouble staying healthy, if he's missing practices, and Trey Sermon is playing well, I, I think Sermon is going to get a chance to make this roster. Wow. wow. That is a well. Okay. 
Who's our second best tight end? Dallas Goddard getting all the pub, but then yeah. I don't know. Like Grant Calcaterra, they drafted him to come in here and make plays. Uh, you know, he showed up. Tyree Jackson, another guy who has all the potential in the world, hasn't made good on it. What's happening at uh, tight end two? Yeah. They'll probably tell you it's Jack Stoll. They really like Jack Stoll. Uh, if you remember last year when they rested guys in that final, uh, you know, at times where they've rested guys, Jack Stoll has been inactive. Like, they, they truly value him as a blocking tight end, uh, and I think they think he's a slightly better pass catcher than maybe the public does. I would be included in that. I don't think Jack Stoll is their second-best tight end. Um, I think it's definitely Tyree Jackson. And I know he has to stay healthy, and clearly his injuries have been, have been serious. But when I watch him out on the field, I think he has, like, top five tight end in the league potential. He is that type of athlete. He's that type of pass catcher. He has phenomenal hands, which you don't really see for, from a guy that switches positions often. He's a former quarterback. Has a long way to go. But if you said to me I can only keep one tight end behind Dallas Goddard, it would be Tyree Jackson. All right, Elliot Shore Parks with us. Elliot, there's mm-hmm. there's a couple of things when, when everyone shows up to camp in a week. I'm fascinated to find out how they're addressed. Um, let, let's start with this one. Jalen Hurts, when he signed his new contract and had his press conference, referred to it as bittersweet. I'm sure a reporter is going to, maybe you'll be the one to ask him next week, Jalen, you said it was bittersweet. Why? What's your, what's your instincts tell you, Elliot, of why he referred to it as bittersweet when he got paid $250 million? I, I, From being around the team this offseason, both in practice settings and just around the Dover care, I really do think like there is a, a healthy kind of uh, motivation coming from that Super Bowl. That's I mean, what I, that's I, what I that's what I think it is. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, in in 2017 to 2018, and obviously they won it, so that's a different type of thing. The Super Bowl was like a clear distraction. There was a sign in the locker room. I remember being in the off season workouts with new guys on the roster, and they're all like you know singing about getting their Super Bowl ring. Which look, it's exciting. They deserve that. But I thought it was a distraction. And we'll see now when we get to week four or five what it does for this team. But from talking to Nick, talking to Jalen, being around the guys, it does feel like so far they're handling this really well. And I think that the, the contract moment speaks to that. That's one of the best moments of Jalen's life, presumably. Certainly it's the most lucrative moment of his life. And, and he still is focusing on the fact that they didn't get the job done. So. You, you, you want to make sure that doesn't go too far. But I think for now, at least my time around the team, I think they're handling it really well. And I think that Jalen comment is, is, is a, shows that. All right, Elliot, here's another one next week that's going to be fascinating. Jalen Carter is being accused in a civil lawsuit of leaving the scene of a crash in which two people yeah. died. Maybe they had already died. Maybe they were still alive and suffering and on their way to death. I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know whether he left the scene of the crash. But he's being accused of that by the survivor from the other car. When he is asked next week, Jalen Carter, did you leave the scene of a crash? What's he going to say? Well, I can almost guarantee you I know what he's going to say, which is that's an ongoing legal matter and I'm not going to talk about it. Like that, that is going to be what he says about that. I would be very, very, very surprised. And my guess is the Eagles would probably not be happy if he went into some long detailed answer on the podium about what happened that day. Uh, he has not talked about it, I believe. Like, at, well, definitely not since the Eagles, and I don't believe before the draft. Um, you know, this this dude, like, the Eagles brought that on when they drafted him. Uh, you know, maybe Jalen will turn out to be uh, a model citizen while he's here. I think we would all agree, and everyone should be hoping that whatever immaturity he had in college, he's able to move past that. But 
But right now, I, I do not think he is going to be discussing this incident. So what happens, I agree with you, what happens then when the reporters say, okay, well, Jalen's not answering it, let's go ask Nick, let's talk to Howie when he makes himself available. Like when Nick Sirianni's asked that question, like, Nick, what did you know about the situation when you guys chose to draft him? What's Sirianni going to say to that? He's going to say this is an ongoing situation. I'm not going to get into the details with it, but right now Jalen has been great since he's been here. I've been impressed and we're excited to have him in camp. Like, I agree with you, Joe. I would love to get answers to this. And maybe behind the scenes it's Nova Care. Like, who knows? But, but at the podium in front of a microphone and a camera, I would be stunned if they give any kind of meaningful quote on this for two reasons. One, it creates a story that does not have to be there. If they say mm-hmm. something interesting, we're all talking about it. And two, it is, it is actually an ongoing legal matter. That's I mean, true. he's being sued. So, so I, I don't even know what the, the legal risks are of, of talking about it. Yeah, so you it. think it, also, it kind of gives the Eagles a certain degree of cover that they can actually be quiet about it because it's understood legal matter. Be quiet. All right, here's yeah. one that's not legal, Elliot. I think the Eagles will again attempt to be quiet. It's going to be asked for the five freaking thousandth time because they've never adequately answered it. What is going to happen when Sirianni is asked, hey, Nick, what the hell happened with Jonathan Gannon? Are, are you annoyed? Do you think he undermined the team's chance to win a Super Bowl? What do you know about the timing of when he was contacted? What do you know about how extensive it was? What is Nick Sirianni going to say to that question? Yeah, so I hate to keep giving these non-answers, but I think it's a good preview of what to expect. I, I think he's going <laughs> you know, I, it is what it is. Like, they're not, they're not going to try to get into these issues that are going to create But, Elliot, Elliot you know this. The lo- listen, the longer they don't take that one on, the longer it lasts. I mean, maybe, and I and I will say, Sirianni of all the people, like Howie, and like Sirianni is the one that I could see breaking yes, and talking. About I agree it. with you. <laughs> so, so who knows? But but I think that Sirianni's answer will be something. You know that that was last season. You know I have a ton of respect for Jonathan. And to be fair, Sirianni has always defended Gannon above and beyond last year. We all remember him shouting out Angelo, right? Like so, there is a chance that he actually might feel a way that you don't agree with. And, but I don't think he'll say that. So my guess is if he's asked about that, you're right, he probably will be. He's going to once again say something so that it's not a big story the next day. Man, I mean, they're just, they're just <laughs> asking. For, Elliot, I'm telling you, they're asking for it. They're asking. Well, and this they're is part of why there were teams they, they that took – Yeah. <laughs> this is part of why they took Jalen Carter off their board. Yeah. There is a lot that goes into this. Yeah, And it's right. not going to go but away anytime say, soon. And I agree with you on that, Rich. Like, there's a reason certain teams didn't draft Jalen Carter, and it's because they're not able to handle him. And we'll see if the Eagles are able to. But we've all been around this team enough to know, and especially in the past few years, like, they are very good at not creating distractions at the podium. So when they mm-hmm. took Jalen Carter, I am sure there was discussions like, hey, we're not saying anything about this at the podium. Like, every answer is, oh, you know, we're happy to have me. We're not going to get into that. So when teams decide to draft Jalen ha- Carter, you have to be in a, in a situation and in an agreement on how you're going to handle this. And, yes, maybe next week that will get put to the test. But my guess is they're not going to say much. Elliot, uh, on the defensive side of the football, uh, could you clarify exactly what the situation is with our linebackers? I, we, we should have three with Hassan Reddick at Sam, and then we need a Mike linebacker, we need a Will linebacker. Are they just – handing this thing over to N'Kobe Dean and that's understood and then Nicholas Morrow is just the will? Or is this an open competition at linebacker that that we have no idea how it's going to unfold when camp uh, ends? So I think they have handed the job to N'Kobe Dean and Nicholas 
Morrell. Like, I, I think it's their job to lose. Now, mm. I think they'll definitely be willing to take it back. I, I don't think that if in you know week three of training camp or if he does play in preseason games, which will also be interesting to see considering they don't really play their guys, yeah. if N'Kobe does go out there considering he probably needs the reps, that'll yeah. be noteworthy. But, no, I, I don't think – I, I don't believe, well, here goes the beginning of that fun debate. We can get into that every <laughs> week. But, but um, I, I don't believe that they have handed the job to him in a way where, you know, it can't be taken back. I think they're, mm. they like N'Kobe. They're excited by, you know, his development behind the scenes last year. But I don't believe that if, if they're struggling, like they will make a move for a linebacker. Or if Christian Ellis continues to impress, I don't think it's crazy to think he could take some snaps from N'Kobe. So yeah. week one, or, you know, snap one next week at, uh, at practice, it'll be N'Kobe and Nicholas Moreau. The question is, you know, the final practice, if they've been able to hold on to the job. Yeah, Christian Ellis seems like uh, you know, he had a nice offseason too, uh, and, mm-hmm. and he's been tough and, you know, nice special teamer. What about the other big uh, competition, the right guard spot? Is there any more clarity between Tyler Steen and Cam Jurgens? I think it's going to be Cam Jurgens, and I would say he his hold on the job is probably a little stronger than Nicobe's. Uh I think they really, really want him to be the guy. I don't think ideally on a team that's going to be competing for a Super Bowl, you want your starting right guard to be a rookie. I know Cam Jurgens is only a second-year player, but you know Tyler Steen was what back into the second round, top of the third. Like that's not ideally who you want stepping in right away. So. Cam Jurgens will have to be really, really bad in training camp to lose it. And even then, it wouldn't mm. surprise me if he still started uh, in week one. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of the biggest stories going into next year. I think the loss of Isaac Sayamalu, although he didn't play well in the Super Bowl upon that rewatch, I think the loss of him is a big deal and how Jurgens plays have a big impact on this season. All right, Elliot, last thing. Let's just get one Sixers question in here, and then we're going to get right back to the calls. But what's your reaction to what Joel Embiid said? How, how, do you, how do you think Sixers fans should feel about what Joel Embiid said? Yeah, I think Sixers fans should be incredibly annoyed at Joel Embiid for what he said, and then also with the tweets afterwards. Like, yep. look, his comment within itself, was it annoying? Yes. I wouldn't have give, given the qualifier of maybe elsewhere, but you could at least say that, hey, he, he's putting pressure on the team to add talent. There's reports he's not happy about James Harden. Like, maybe that's what it is. But then if you follow it up, and this is my biggest annoyance with Joel, Whenever he says anything that creates a distraction, he basically just follows it up with, like, ha-ha, just kidding, you know I'm just a troll. Joel, you're not in your second year anymore. Like, you are the face of a franchise, the face of a team that's a legitimate NBA title contender. You can't just run to Twitter every time and be like, just kidding, you see my middle name. Like, no, you said what you said, and I think there is some truth to it. Like, he, he wants championship players around him, and he needs to play better himself, for sure. But then you can't always just back these things off with tweets. So as much as I've defended Joel, and I do think he deserves defending this, this offseason, things like that, like those are the moments where you go, you know what, fine, just get him out of here. Because if he's not matured like that, then maybe he never will. Other than just get him out of here, I agree with everything you said. Well said, Elliot. Thanks, bud. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. And look, one week to training camp. It's getting real soon, which is awesome. Thanks, dude. Can't wait. Yep, talk to you.